Hi, good afternoon. Uh, it is Wednesday, and that means it is time for uh, Two on One, the Internet's leading conversation led by two clergy on Wednesday afternoons, usually a little earlier than this. Thanks for sticking around for us. I'm the Reverend Arthur Stewart, joined today with the Reverend Stephanie Kendall. Hey, hey. that's me. Hey. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Arthur, Arthur, I'm like squiggly today. I'm so excited. I know. And I'm just, I'm, oh my gosh, I'm just, obviously, I think anyone who has followed me on any sort of social media uh, guesses my politics and understands that today is just so exciting that it's happened. We can breathe just a hair easier. There's still, are there so much work to do, as we both know, but today it finally happened. And you're worried about Lent too, right? Oh yeah, super worried about Lent. I mean, it's only four weeks away. It's only four weeks away. I know. So I want you to ask yourself this important question. Okay. Do liturgical textiles in my life and in the life of the congregation I serve reflect the depth and beauty and pause of the season of Lent? Have you ever asked yourself that? I have never asked myself that question. Okay, I haven't either, but maybe try this question. Do I need a new stole? Are there pyramids or banners or chasubles or copes, lectern hangings or wall art that will enhance and inform our worship? Oh, that is a good question. If only, Arthur, there was one place where we could go for quality, handmade, progressively oriented, possibly ecumenically minded liturgical textiles. Oh, I have news for you. Is it good news? On today, all news is good news. So yes, there's one place you can go for all and each of your liturgical textile needs. Jeff One Row Designs. Jeff One Row Designs, spelled J-E-F-F-W-U-N-R-O-W, Jeff One Row? Yes. For more than 15 years, Jeff One Row Designs has been making ordinary time extraordinary. If you visit jeffonerow.com, J-E-F-F-W-U-N-R-O-W, you can peruse their catalog of banners, frontals, stoles for all seasons, liturgical face masks. And for our listeners and viewers, for those who engage their senses with us, uh, Jeff One Row Designs has a special discount. Oh. Enter two, uh, yes, enter two on one at checkout, all one word, and you'll receive 15% off your entire stole order. Wow. Well, why not engage your senses with some of the beautiful craftsmanship from Jeff One Row Designs? One more time, J-E-F-F-W-U-N-R-O-W.com. Thank you, Jeff One Row, for being the lead sponsor on Two on One. Your stole still steal the show. Spiff, are you ready for our guest? I'm so excited for our guest because everything today has me going like so excited like we might just like rage and joy scream for the episode and that's fine please welcome the quenchiest Shonda Ja. I always love the pause as there is a pause there's always a pause of like come on down yeah hello Shonda hey friends it's so good to be with you it is so good to be with you and welcome back to two on one yes I'm excited I, we are excited to have you. You were, when we, Arthur and I were planning out what does our, you know, our, our slate look like for guests, who, who do we want to make sure we invite, uh, especially, you know, today, it's kind of a big day for, it's a world. very big day. Yeah. Uh, you were the top of our list. And so we're, was so I the only half Indian you could come up with? Is that why? Yes. Actually, my friend Karthik was unavailable. But no. We just went to, to you instead. Uh, but but it doesn't hurt and it helps and, and your wholeness is beautiful and celebrated, especially today. Oh, so excited. I know you already have a sponsor, but my friends run an ice cream shop and they brought out Kamala Blossom ice cream uh, for the inauguration. It is rose and pistachio. It is ridiculously good. Kulfi Creamery. Um, I just thought I'd give them a shout out because they're Bay Area like Kamala, right? Like yeah. us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I listen. I spent most of my entire childhood trying to be like getting out of the Bay Area because I wanted to start my own life and do yes. my own thing. Uh, and and there are a few times when I'm like, I'm a Bay Area kid, but today is for sure. Today is one of days. What kind of bender do you think Kamala would be? Kamala, uh, Earth, because she has no room for anybody's shit. Oh, true. I was thinking fire because one of my favorite moments was the. Uh, hearings the supreme court hearings where she really brought fire but uh, yes earth makes sense 
here's here's where we're gonna just get real with what's happening. Kind of segue. With what I love your segues, and I appreciate all of you. Uh, we are talking uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. The TV, the TV show. show. The TV show uh, today. And I have a, a long sorted history with the movie, had never seen the TV show. Um, and and yet here we are. So I have watched seven episodes. So, uh, didn't this happen to you with The Mandalorian as well? Yes, but I watched. Uh, yes. So, so to be fair. Let's for I'm going to do the thing I always do. I'm going to mansplain for a moment, not to our guest <laughs> and my co-host, but to those who may be watching. Avatar: The Last Airbender was a series of comic books, which was adapted into a cartoon show, or was the cartoon then other way around? Sorry, so a cartoon show that was this brilliant fictional drawing on Far East mythologies and narratives, um, really marvelously done. Like the cartoon is on Netflix and I will say this as a grown adult, like watch the cartoon. If you have kids. Yeah. If you don't. Yeah. Um, If you're going through a breakup also. Yeah. Yeah. It was super popular and it was the last movie M night Shyamalan did. And the movie was horrible. I took my brother to see it because we were early going to Athens, Texas for a camp. It is the only movie I've ever walked out of because my little brother turned to me and he said, are you mad at me? Why did you bring me here? (laughs) So so confessionally, I never saw the movie because all self-respecting Asian Americans boycotted it because it was that bad. Why is that, Shonda? Why did the Asian American communities? So here's the fascinating thing about the TV series versus the cartoons. In the TV series, we know it was white folks who made it. We know it was mostly white folks who were cast in it. But it was a story about, you know, fictional fantasy world, but functionally pan-Asian folks. And we were there for it, right? We felt felt seen. We felt excited. And to be fair, for the most part, they actually cast the same kids from the TV series in the movie. But in the movie, we're like, where did those white kids come from? Um, So... This is some of the complexity of it is to be to be fair. God bless those kids. It wasn't their fault. They did a great job in the TV series. They were getting rewarded with a movie, um, a very badly done movie. And I, I would apologize like to, to M. Night Shyamalan for disrespecting him as a. Yeah. Well, and it was weird that, like, the Indians were the bad guys suddenly in the movie. Anyways, here's a the only person who wasn't who wasn't white was the bad guy. Yeah, totally. No, this is a. Indian guy that uh, I'm going to share with our viewers. I hope yes. Do don't do that. Nope. 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 Sorry, we we don't have the rights to own and share other people's things. Oh, I'm going to post a link to it as a. You can post the link, and we will talk and share and post the link to it later. I'm sorry, I could have asked. That's okay. As someone who worked in copywriting and editing, I respect that. We want to make sure people get their own likes and views and links and all that so but do go to arthur tell who who is who is the tiktok that you put up uh it is thomas sanders and it is his vine about uh avatar the last airbender you can search for it and find it probably on youtube as i did it is genius it's so good y'all it's because here's the thing avatar the last airbender mansplaining part two uh in a there's a world where there's four nations each are based around one of the classical elements there is an avatar who can master all four elements and is meant to be more or less like the spiritual leader of the world. It alternates through the nations rather conveniently. Um, and the airbender, Aang, not Ong, uh, Aang ends up getting frozen. He runs away from his responsibilities. And in that hundred years, the Fire Nation tries to conquer the world, wipes out the air nomads, conquers the earth uh, people, it's rough. The water tribes are living on the poles. And it's the story really about this kid getting his life together, building community, finding wholeness and unity, and uh, overcoming evil. Exactly. With nonviolence. I just wanted to throw that in there. What's that? With, with nonviolence. With nonviolence. What does that mean to come together for unity with nonviolence? So we Hopefully we're going to find out. Well, it's a great topic today on Inauguration Day. It's a great topic today because um, <laughs> the Avatar is back, but it's not like there's not a lot of the Avatar is not back. But we're, we're in a wibbly wobbly kind of time. I was I don't know. I, I'm assuming it is for you, but please tell me, like, I was viscerally relieved today 
past what I expected to be. Like I, I, I don't smoke anymore. And I was like, I would smoke a cigarette right now. Uh, just like leaning back and being like, thank God. I didn't realize how much tension I was carrying. You know, it's, it's interesting. You mentioned that. Cause I think for me, it, it wasn't so much relief as the permission to release how much grief um, I had been carrying. So my favorite uh, thinker right now is Anand Jirar Daradas. He wrote the book uh, Winners Take All. And he said he didn't realize he hadn't cried in four years until he met, heard Amanda Gorman's poem. And he just sobbed the last four years out of his system. Um, Can we just talk about Amanda Gorman's poem for the rest of this episode? <laughs> for real. I saw Amanda Gorman uh, do one of her uh, original poems in, in person, uh, not today, obviously, but uh, it. I've been a fan of hers for a, a little over a year now when I first saw it, and it, the minute I saw that this was going to happen, it just, I was like, why do they need to have her first because she if she goes last she's going to be the only thing people talk about yep it was right because her poem i'm sorry to say it but her poem was the best thing to come off that day yesterday um it, the benediction it was, was brilliant but it got drowned out absolutely the benediction was brilliant but it got drowned out it just uh, all of it whatever what joe biden had to say i mean yeah. president biden had to say uh <laughs> the, the one thing i'll say that i didn't like um I loved I love Jennifer Lopez yelling in Spanish at the end of this land is your land, but they did not like this land is your land is kind of like complicated a left protest song. And so if you're not gonna sing about the companies withholding wages and taking up too much room, then you don't need to sing the song, in my opinion. But let's also bring back the slavery verses or the anti-slavery verses rather in the Star Spangled Banner. Like let's just go full out piss off the parlor people. Okay. I know. That's fine. Okay. I ranted. I'm excited. I'm sorry. I... Listen, it's a, I listening. There's, it's a big day. There's going to be energy everywhere. So let's, we can, uh, you know, attempt to pull our airbenderness together and <laughs> and really unify all of it. Shonda, why do you like Avatar The Last Airbender? Why did it speak to you? What 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 does it still say? Yeah. So I, I love the fact that this, uh, uh, that y'all ground this in kind of what do these various pop culture things have to do, have to say to the church. Right. And, and I think Avatar of the Last Airbender actually has the same thing to say to the church that it does to social justice movements. Right. Mm -hmm. um, in that kind of at its core, it's about recognizing we might have different philosophies. We might have slightly different self-interests, um, we definitely have different strategies. And if we are oriented to a shared commitment, we can come together around that. So, you know, I said that it's about, you know, uh, about nonviolence. And Aang is deeply committed to nonviolence. And he is determined that even if he can't win, he will not resort to violence in order to win. But that is not true for all of his compatriots. Um, and so it's an interesting thing to notice that they have different philosophies around, um, around the use of what in the Bay Area we refer to as a diversity of tactics, um, which might involve some people seeing a need for at least, at the very least, self-defense as a strategy that's incorporated versus other folks who are like, no, we will risk everything in order not to do harm. And the fact that they are finding a way forward together because they have this shared commitment to dismantling an empire that is causing so much harm. I think that's a valuable lesson for us. I think in the church, in a lot of church circles, at least in my denomination, um, what denomination I can't speak to your denominations. <laughs> But within the Disciples of Christ, I've seen a lot of clergy wrestling with how do we bring together um, the extreme right and the extreme left? And I am not convinced that's the question we need to be wrestling with. And I think what's important for us to remember and what I would argue uh, Atla uh, puts forth for us is the understanding that 
we want to share common cause with people who are committed to the same vision. We don't necessarily have an obligation to cultivate common cause with people who are not looking out for our well being, who don't see our well being as important, or at least not as a priority. And I think that's something we need to sit with. Um, I think that uh, Avatar The Last Airbender talks a lot about unity, but it's not saying unity with the Fire Lord. It's saying unity in the cause, not unity in the people. Saying unity in the cause of standing up against the Fire Lord. And I think that that matters. So I read We Call Ourselves Disciples by uh, Kenneth T. Garden. Um, which is interesting because I've also read the Michael Kinnaman J. Lynn book, which is yeah. like structured exactly the same. And I'm like, I, like I'm not making any indication of plagiarism. I just the disciples. Oh, have, I thought they did it on purpose. Oh, maybe they did. The disciples have like, I hope so. In fact, the disciples have like six pillars, right? And we talk about those same six pillars. And it's interesting because T. Garden's book, written in 1974 literally said like you should abdicate major things that would cause division rather and in order to create unity and i'm paraphrasing and if i'm incorrect please correct me but that's how i read it jettison the major controversial stuff in order to be united rather than divide over controversial issues which makes sense eight years after the uh provisional design Sorry, for non-disciples who are watching, the disciples weren't a denomination forever, and then we became one, but we act like we're not. It's a long story. Um, We became one just when it was going out of fashion. Yeah, we're really... several books on the topics. (laughs) We're the big, what is it, the biggest little denomination, no, the littlest big denomination in the country. (laughs) And you got like a whole third of us right here, so... (laughs) Yeah, this is great. This is actually better attended than a lot of workshops at generalists. <laughs> Never mind. Don't. I'm kidding. As the person in charge, as who has a hand in general assembly for next, everyone come. It'll be great. Sorry, I'm being a kind of classic. Two on one will be there at next general assembly. Oh, nice. That's great. That's going to be excellent. There are talks. We know. I what's- love it. Um, I have a question though for for someone who's new to Avatar. Um, I like that. It's, I can can I call it Atla? I like the 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 acronym there. Um, but what does it mean for the church? I guess thinking kind of in a fundamental way. I suppose not fundamental. I don't know. We'll see where this question goes. What does it mean for the church to to watch? Aang and his group till they find him, right? Aang's been the Aang gang, we like to call them. Oh, I like that a lot too. Okay, so they find Aang, right? Who's the person they've been looking for 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 this healing, this unity of the airbend or the avatar that has been it's supposed to kind of keep balance, right? If I'm understanding. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but like what does it mean to to watch the person that's supposed to kind of save us all right there's a savior aspect to it but to watch him grow to watch him mistake to watch him make things that you're like oh don't do that buddy and right alongside like for his friends to watch him part of me was like who were the people watching jesus grow up that were like you know his first temper tantrum and it's like okay buddy it's gonna be all right you know like (laughs) uh you know, or like, you know, that 13-year-old Jesus that stays behind and goes off into the temple and hangs yeah. out. And like, you know, you're like, you, you probably should have told an adult. I don't know. Like the real kind of fundamental things. Um, but you you have this vision of Aang to, in a savior position. And we have, right. you know, our understanding. And then he's a goofy 12-year-old kid. And then he's a goofy 12-year-old kid and you watch him. And so um, I don't know. What does that do for the church uh, to show, I guess, our young leaders that like there is still leadership within those that are growing and that it doesn't require perfection, right? Progress, not perfection. Yeah. yeah. Arthur, I saw some, I saw some fireworks going off in your brain. I, so have y'all ever read lamb by Christopher Moore? Yeah. The gospel according to Biff Christ childhood pal. So it's, I mean, Steph, I'm going to mail you a copy. I No, I have a copy of it. I just never read it. Oh, you got to read it because right. time to read it. All right. It's the fifth gospel, like forget Thomas or Q, uh, Quell, not Q. Um, <laughs> thanks for ruining that. 
Uh, anyways, uh, the gospel according to Biff Christ Childhood Pal is James, son of Alphaeus, is called Biff because that's the noise that it makes when his parents slap him upside the head. And he's Jesus' sinner friend growing up. And they do all of these, like they circumcise a Roman statue. It's a long story. Like they pull pranks. They And you get to see Jesus wrestle with his humanity and his divinity in such a way. It's my favorite telling of the gospel story. I read it every Lent. Um, all right. Christopher Moore will not send me an autographed copy. I've been like, I will donate an, an inordinate amount of money to your favorite charity, and you won't do it. Uh, I have to do it. <laughs> Anyways, that's they they deal with the growing of Jesus. Uh, Mark Driscoll, one of the worst theologians ever, uh, a, a broken clock is right twice a day. He once said, um, so like Jesus being perfect is an we can talk about that. But he goes, Jesus being perfect, does that mean he knew how to ride a bicycle like intrinsically? And I've always thought about that because if he did, he wasn't human. Yeah. But if he made I mean, mistakes, he wasn't. But, there, but there's also something about regard. It's, it's that superhero worship, right? Regardless of like if if he's meant to be perfection in his, in his savior identity is a different yeah. kind of question than what does it look like to watch the person who is meant to, to save the world, to unify, to, you know, do the thing that your community or your world needs most uh, screw up all the time, you know, or just yeah. kind of be, be wonky sometimes as we all are, regardless of age, like, I, you know, and so what is it? I don't know. For me, as I was watching and thinking, like, what is, you know, I'm always, now that we do two on one weekly, I watch everything with the lens of like, what's the church learning from this? As I kind of feel like we should be, anyways, but this offers a new lens to it. Um, But I was like, I'm watching this kid, and you, we've named it. We've named Aang as the person that we've been waiting for. Mm -hmm. And, and there's so much just silliness and like growing that happens that I'm like, what, how is he taken so serious? How do we take the goofiness seriously in those that are called to kind of lead us? Well, and I think there's a couple of things going on there. One of which is Ang doesn't get embraced. So this is another important reflection for the church. Um, Ang doesn't get embraced. A lot of people are like, oh, where have you been? Right. Um, so he does not get warmly embraced everywhere he goes, um, which I, you know, that could have parallels to a prophet in his, uh, own land is without, uh, valor. No, without honor. You all know the passage I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so it could have some parallels there. I also think what's super helpful about it is even while it hinges on this, hero narrative um that's kind of a trope we've seen throughout it's you know all of our favorite books have that hook of that person you relate to whether it's Katniss or Harry or Aang um but the whole point of it in the same way that it's true for Harry and Katniss and as well as Aang is he can't do it alone no matter how much of a superhero trope has been set up um the way he grows into his role is because he has a community supporting him and people from his peer group who push back on him as well as elders who mentor him. And he also brings his own wisdom that maybe because of his position, but largely because he has authentic wisdom to offer, um, he is able to contribute his gifts as well. So it's interesting because I think the it's based on this assumption that he's the superhero but the whole point of the series is there's there's none of this that anyone can do alone. Wouldn't it be interesting if we looked at the Jesus story that way too? Ooh, amen. Well, Yanda, I mean, at a uh, at that anti-racism training in Iowa that I kind of crashed uh, last year, time has no meaning anymore. No, no, you didn't crash it. You asked if you could come and I was like, totally, you can come. Yeah, well, you brought up rather brilliantly that we teach history as individuals making impact as opposed to communities causing change. And that's something that's really stuck with me. And I've, I've actually I have a project I want to tell you about later, but I, I think about it with rules for radicals, uh, Alinsky, all of the, all of the 
and and he he loved the ridiculous. Uh, have, for those of you who haven't read Rules for Radicals, it's about community organizing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not nearly the satanic Bible the right wing will assume it is. In fact, it's pretty logical. He does say bad words in it occasionally, I guess. But like to make a point, I forget. Also, which- they they bash it, but they also use it. The interesting mm-hmm. thing is the right has adopted Saul yeah. Alinsky's methodology, yeah. which well, brings up its own critiques of the Alinsky methodology, but continue. Syracuse, I think they were really proud of having a symphony and they weren't, I, I forget the circumstance, but Alinsky let the rumor get out that what he was going to do is feed 400 people, just this enormous beans dinner, buy out the symphony and just have them fart out the audience. Like just interrupt the show. It's not illegal to do it. It's incredibly rude. It's kind of ridiculous. It's very funny. It's chaotic. Um, do we, do we avoid the chaotic in the church? Because I think Jesus was very much chaotic. The oh. whole point of what he did was chaotic. I think um, the fact that we even have, we have liturgy proves that we don't love the chaos. <laughs> I mean, here's the, ra- here's the, here's the way you do things. Here's the calendar. Here's like here's here you know like can't all do the-, the Lord's prayer except one way, and we have to call it the Lord's prayer. I mean, sure. I, I, <laughs> I was like, but yeah, but yeah, I we yeah yes okay yes we we oh, want that- control. Um, yeah, no, and I'm trying to figure out whether there's a connection to to Avatar in there, um, other than it's. It has lots of silliness in it. Is that? Well, have we lost one of my favorite things? One of my favorite moments in scripture is when Jesus turns to the religious elite and he's like, he doesn't say, imagine that you're shepherds and one of your sheep goes missing. He goes, if one of your sheep goes missing, do you not leave the other 99 behind? And it was just meant to scandalize them. It's, you know, if one of your drug dealers runs off with your stash, do you not trust the other 99 to, or whatever the case may be? I'm not trying to minimize addiction or anything else but he just makes this assumption that's meant to scandalize them yeah and we've lost the scandal of chaos Mm, i see what you're saying yeah there's a great book called blueprint for revolution uh how to use rice pudding lego men and other nonviolent techniques to galvanize communities overthrow dictators or simply change the world actually i'm well aware of it shonda because my husband's in your class at phillips (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was like, I know that book. That's good. I'm glad you know that book that it wasn't just randomly assigned. Uh, but I think we've. I think going back to your like the Avatar, the chaos connection. There is, I think you find we start Avatar like episode one, the pilot episode is you find everyone in chaos. There is no Avatar. There's everyone's kind of fighting with each other. Everyone's fearful of, um, of the the fire lordy guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, him. And uh and, and 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 there's a a a longing maybe for a little bit of the structure and organization um that comes with someone who has an eye on unit I mean like an eye on gathering and and keeping the peace, I guess. Um which I think is cool. And it's not necessary. like you have the avatar that brings it all together, but who is that in the church? Who is the person in our church that is looking for wholeness rather than you know power and this might be a stretch but i think i can tie it all together uh part of blueprint for a revolution is about um creating laughter and ridiculousness and making a joke out of the people who are the conquerors because when we can laugh we can find courage Mm -hmm. um and i think one of the things that shows up a lot in I had Avatar on repeat for the entire month of July because it was a crummy time. I don't know if y'all were around in July on this planet, but on this planet, July kind of sucked. And so like I had it on repeat. I went to bed with it. I woke up with it because I needed something that was a little bit hopeful and that was a little bit joyful because it was very hard to find joy. Um, And this idea that joy can play a role in overcoming oppression is really important. And I think, um, to your point, I think that part of what, one of the things that is heartbreaking 
over and over is how corrupt regimes get into power because there is so much chaos and there is something understandably compelling about structure in the midst of chaos, in the midst of hunger, in the midst of conflict, in the midst of uncertainty. And so any structure seems appealing. Um, now, they didn't get into that nuance in the series because everyone still got some fight left in them. Um, but part of the reason the Taliban was able to take power, regardless of how oppressive it was to women, regardless of how um, abusive it was of the Quran, was because there had been so much instability that any kind of stability sounded good. So I wonder if there are other tools against instability and chaos. And I wonder if uh, joy as resistance is one of those tools. I think Avatar gets to that. I think a lot of our best social movements get to it. And I wish we, I, I hope that we can create, I don't wanna say it doesn't happen in the church, I long for more of it in the church. I mean, what would a, I, I, as you're just talking, I was like, what would a minister of joy do to a church to worship, to, you know, to the justice movements, all the things that a church should and, you know, lots of our churches are doing, but like, it's someone just brought in to say like this, you know, I, I want you to be mindful of the joy. Um, it's the one. It's the one we relegate to one Sunday a year. It's it's like the Holy Spirit in mainland Protestantism. It is the pink candle during Advent, and it's isn't it joyful that Mary was okay with it? Um, and that's it. <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a lot of opinions about joy, and also oh yeah, but um, but I think we have to cultivate it. Like, I think it's a, I think we think joy is irreverence. And I think we think irreverence is a sin. Um, and both of those ideas are wrong. Mm -hmm. um, but also joy can't really be scripted. I mean, humor can, but it's, I, I, I do want to ask another question because if we don't talk about him, I will cry. Uncle Eero is my uncle. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> oh, hey, you got an Eero mug. I do. It's Uncle Iroh's delectable tea. I always call him Iro because Japanese pronunciation, excuse me, it's Iroh. Uh, of course. Um, and the, this is an inside joke for those of you who watch the show. At oh, the bottom yeah. it says, or deadly poison. <laughs> I love that man so much. Yes, he's your uncle. Yes, he's your uncle too. He's everybody's uncle. He's everybody's uncle. He's the uncle we all wish we had. Well, so Iroh, is he the model for transformative intergenerational leadership. I mean, his, that's such a great analogy. His arc in the show spiff. I don't know. I, I, yeah. Tell a little bit more about our, for our listeners about for, and just like people, I want to shout out Zane is watching with us and, Zane. and Lauren. I know. So hi to Yay. everyone. So. <laughs> Zane writings. Um, we, so Iroh is, um, he's the dragon of the West. And I love that. And the show starts and he is the Fire Lord's older brother, right? He is older. Yeah, he was he was in line for the throne. And Oh, I know who you're talking about now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The older man with the pointy yeah. Yeah. And uh he's he's tasked with keeping Zuko in line. And Zuko's on this quest because Zuko's been abused and Zuko's processing his trauma. Oh, and remind me, can we circle back to Zuko and uh yeah. Yes. Go ahead. And uh, Iroh gives him the space to to be mad and to make mistakes. And, and to make and, mistakes, yeah. And he runs interference for him. Yeah. And, and he takes care of things. But then you learn more and more about it. Like, he's the dragon of the West because the dude can spit fire. <laughs> um, and he's he also... He didn't come to play. He's part of an international coalition of the White Lotus. And I swear, if I ever make challenge coins for two-on-one for guests, they're going to have a White Lotus on the back. And Spiff, you're just going to have to deal with it. Um, yeah. Because Shonda Ja loves it. So it's fun. I'm so about it. I want to be in the order of the White Lotus. You are. and uh, <laughs> but So at one point, Iroh's captured. And he proceeds to act like a befuddled old man. And then he's like doing push-ups and pull-ups like, and he becomes jacked and he breaks out. It just, Iroh, Iroh gives Zuko. So jacked. He's kind of hot. There's no getting around it. Yeah. 
but he makes space. It's definitely meant to be like, what is happening with this old man with a ripped body? Well, ripped. he would wear like ponchos and stuff. Yep. Just like, just like I wear a lot of like loose clothing to hide my ripped physique. Obviously, Same. me too. Yeah, <laughs> we all have that in common. <laughs> but uh, it's my favorite thing that he does is he never shares advice with Zuko. He shares experience. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that that is so vital. And that's what I think. That's what I think mentoring misses because we try to create. Well, I'm a good and fine upstanding citizen of the kingdom of God. No, like I'm 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 a mess. Yeah. And I trust you enough, even though you're younger than I am, to tell you the truth and to share my failures and my successes. I don't know. I also he so Zuko's the ultimate I apologize for the spoilers. The show's been out for like freaking 20 years. Yeah. Um spoiler, so, so it's okay. Yeah. So um Zuko has like the classic redemption arc it's just beautiful i love a redemption arc there's nothing you know there's nothing like a good redemption arc for me the quran has the judas story a a better version of the judas story than we have because they get they give judas some redemption love it um so zuko has the perfect redemption arc but so does iroh Mm -hmm. iroh was absolutely propping up this system of oppression and violence and horror. In fact, he was one of the most gifted at manifesting it. And in his journey, his spiritual journey, he comes to realize there's a different way. And the way he realizes it, there's a little anti-racism thing for you here, uh, is he does it through deep relationship with people and practices of the other nations. And he realizes the gifts of the water tribe and he realizes the gifts of the air nomads and he realizes the gifts of the earth kingdom. And, and that's what breaks him of this notion of fire nation supremacy. He, he was tasked with taking the earth city capital of Ba Sing Se. And Ba Sing Se, we got to talk about information, but you want to get back on Zuko and that's fine. Um, Ba Sing Se, he failed at it. And that's, I believe why he was skipped over to become yeah. Um, yeah and he failed at it because his son died and he had an emotional you know, shutdown over that which was not tolerable within a militarist empire right for him so to have feelings about his son's death is the church in this real kind of euro iro uh moment right now then that we have propagated so much uh, uh hate and evil and some of the oppressive systems that continue to work and yet we are now, it, you know, and I, I don't know that it's a church writ large. Maybe it's churches, individual churches that are in this moment, but hopefully more of us can gather that momentum and, and, and seek this redemptive arc. But like um, that the churches that are understanding that there is that deep relationship with others um, yeah. outside of our own, you know, singular local church institution is the way in which Jesus calls us to be, uh, community calls us to be faithful followers. Well, if I rose the church, I love that because that makes bossing say the world. Um, and it has failed to siege the world and take it through power. And it can only really become part of the world by being itself so boldly. It also means that within the metaphor, get ready for this spinning, the metaphor of the order of the white Lotus, which is people from all sorts of nations. And it's basically mm-hmm. all the old benders hanging out. And you're like, where have you guys been the whole series? Um, but within that, it means the church has to be part of a multifaceted movement. It cannot redeem things on its own or it cannot do it as well. The order of the white Lotus is the poor people's campaign. Ooh. And that means that uh, William Barber is the crazy earth King. We'll run it by him, see what's up. Now I want Stephen Roach Knight to say there are no problems in bossing say. It's really bad. But. So, I, yeah, I'm with you on this metaphor. And I and one of the other things that I think is important is if, if Iroh is the church, the position with which he re-enters bossing say, the place that he was trying to conquer, is a place of profound humility. Mm-hmm. He was enter. He was trying to enter as a conqueror. The way he actually enters is as a tea merchant, selling delectable tea. 
<laughs> with his humble self. And that's the only way that the church is going to move forward is if right. we posture ourselves with humility rather than dominance for any relationship. And it allows Iroh to be prepared and it allows Iroh to become strong and it allows Iroh to ho- focus his gifts when he gives up trying to be uh, the conqueror and all things to all people. Okay. Well, there Fix you go. That. That's the price of admission right there. Uh, like, I want to... Another question, though, or I, for yeah. you all who watch this. So, as someone who is new to the fandom, new to the new to this game, um, uh, I love that you said new to the fandom, like you're claiming it. That's really very generous of you. Yeah, I wonder you. if this might encourage you to actually watch some of it. I'm, I listen. I wasn't anti it when I was watching it. I just couldn't fit three seasons in five days. Whatever, because I had other things to watch. It's called PTO, and I'm disappointed. Ah, uh, listen, I'm an insomniac who, who doesn't sleep anyway. So I watch all the things. I just literally had other things that I also have to watch. Um, but this, it, it, if anything is to get me to watch it, you have to have strong female characters. Yeah. And, oh yeah. And that is a super undersell for what is happening in Africa. Dude, you're totally right. And so, I mean, for you know, for anyone who is thinking about maybe watching, maybe you've never even heard of it. I say watch it, if anything, to just dive into some really awesome, complex, nuanced relationship and uh, between strong women Um, and strong girls. I mean, because this is also a world in which those with who we are watching kind of uh, do the work are like all under 20. Teenagers. Yeah, Yeah, they're all teenagers. Well, no. Okay, let's let's talk about Azula. Let's talk about Katara. Let's talk about Toph. 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 Oh, sorry. I wasn't correcting you. I was getting excited. <laughs> okay, so I don't think you saw this one. So Toph, the the blind girl who um, is uh, a, a, an Earthbender. I love everything about her, especially yeah. that she's just a total misanthrope. She invents a new form of bending. Yep. She's so damn the metal bending. Metal. Yes. I saw her metal bend and then I did a quick U- or, uh, Wikipedia search. Yeah. Like she was captured and they were like, you're in an iron cage. And she was like, the hell I am. And it's amazing. Um, I, yes, I should stop talking about it though. Or at least. No, it, they are. I think, yeah, as far as passing the Bechtel test, um, that show does such an exceptional job of dealing with, women's relationships with each other as well as having it's interesting because there's lots of people who like stand different relationships in um in the show and there's a lot of people who keep trying to say katara and zuko should be together and i'm like why are you not rejoicing in this powerful complex completely platonic relationship i also think there are cross-gender platonic relationships that aren't trying to be anything else and that's also glorious. It's, there was Zuko and Aang, and there's a big, a nice hug at the. So I, I, I watched this, the series finale, and like the. So I've done like I've bookended it, and then like kind of gone throughout the middle. Oh, as well as healthy male relationships, we need yeah. more of that as well. Frankly, there's just they're all, but like I liked that the end very much played into the fandom of like there's some stands and some relationships sure. that you got some closure to there, um, but like. Even if you just watch that last, that series finale, which is like, I don't know, it's like five episodes in one. It's a big, it's a big finale. Sorry, you cheat. I didn't tell you. I did cheat. Yeah. You snuck three episodes into that one. Solid cheat. Um, Because I was like, give me three. Or give me two, I think I said. And he gave uh, me I two said, and then he said finale. Uh, well, I said Bossy, Tales from Bossing Say and Ember Island Players. Which we have to talk. You're about. hilarious and that the, those were your choices. Yeah. So, and but but all of that to say, if you, if, it it's such a journey of relationship, uh, kind of like I, I had seen there was somebody there. There's a car- couple characters that they were like, "Did I, you know, like prop you up enough?" And she's like, "You can do it some more." And I was like, "These throwaway lines are genius. Yes. Uh, they're so good." Uh, but also, I was like, "Who is with who?" Because then I was like, "What is happening?" But I was like, "It kind of doesn't matter because right. they're all w- 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 in a non-sexual way, but they're, right. they're all with each other." There's, right. There is a there is uh, it, it's in like episode season one episode three or something like that where there's someone says like how did you know and he's like oh we're all connected and it was such a like don't you just know this that we're all connected and it's such a good way to set up any series 
that deals with humanity. Uh, but a good reminder for those of us watching that like, it's such a plain, a plain statement. We're all connected. There's nothing to nuance. There's nothing beside it. It's just, we're all connected. And if you have that mindset, uh, as you go throughout the show, you, you, you care about characters as they come together, but you also just care for the whole. And for me, that was very much the church and me saying like, I, I have my own, you know, People who watch two on one or listen to two on one know I'm not a huge Paul fan, but I feel connected to Paul. There's a, you know, there's a connection there and, or are you doing your bingo card? Um, that I, me and my <laughs> Arthur has a, 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 a desire to get my relationship with Paul on the mend, but, uh, real Paul. Yes. Not awful. Paul. Sure. You can nuance that later. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, but you know what I mean? But for me, when I was like, what would we look like as a church, as a community gathering, if the very first thing we said to each other, if the liturgy at the top of every worship is we are all connected and we, uh, and we go through worship and we go through ministry and life thinking and knowing that we are connected and what we do affects, you know, not only the neighbor I see and the neighbor I know, but the neighbor I don't, um, and that's, Sorry, go ahead. No, please go ahead. So that yeah, was and I think that really connects very much with kind of foundationally what we need to be community is trust, vulnerability, and follow through commitment that actually gets lived out. Yeah. And that's did you say a building? Accountability. Oh, accountability. I was like, do we okay? <laughs> accountability. That's, that's, that's exactly so right. Church building. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I think, you know, one of the guiding questions of this show is kind of how does this, how is this relevant to the church? That is what we see modeled throughout uh, the last semester. It really is kind of foundational and showing up to support people in their broken places and honoring those things and helping people in their healing journey and still saying, Hey, here's what we need from you to be part of this community. Um, all of that is constantly functioning. There is, there's, um, there's all of those things. I was just, I was I, thinking about that. Oh, sorry. I didn't, you know, no, 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 go ahead. I was thinking about that just today as I was watching so much of everything that was happening at the inauguration, very much in the like, oh, this is, you know, unity was like the word of the day, right? Like, or at least it was the vision word of the day. I don't know yeah. if it was the actual word of the day, because as so many people pointed out, um, and I got caught up in it and also, you know, was like, oh, uh, that he was very Christian forward, right? Like none it of was. none of the music was actually ecumenical or f- interfaith okay. or non-faith. Um, we had no secular songs. We had no, you know, I mean, yeah. that weren't nationalistic. Like they were, and so for me, I was like, oh, what does what would it look like had the planning committee of the inauguration said we are connected to each other and remembered who each other is beyond the who we can see. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I get, I, there's a lot on Twitter right now, especially in like female clergy spaces of being like, well, I guess uh, another four years, maybe we'll see ourselves on the day as praying, you know, like we, you never get that. Or maybe yeah. a rabbi, maybe, you know, someone that has no faith at all that just wants to offer a blessing. I don't, you know, like, but it was all male. And so it was like, what, uh, when you have someone like an avatar that is their their spiritual gift is knowing how to you know push and pull on all the given spaces so that everyone uh comes about in a way that is harmonious per se mm-hmm. um or at least respectful in things what does that look like when we start to do that in in the church in our national spaces in just our relationship our familial relationship yeah so that actually reminds me of my last question, and I'm cognizant of our time, and I want to point this out there, but the Avatar is able to learn bending of all four nations. And the way they did bending is they took four different schools of Tai Chi Chuan, I believe. Um, and so, like, I mean, like, fire bending is explosive and earth bending is solidly – like, like there's a lot of intentionality in what they did. Oh, yeah. If you know the martial arts, you see how different ones – yeah. align with the different elements yeah and with with that the avatar can come alongside you and and part of it is like 
if somebody was able to walk alongside me in the church and they they said, I can do your spiritual gifts as well as you can, I don't know if I would take that as a compliment. Like yeah. it's literally a compliment with with two E's. Um, yeah. But then the other uh, the other is um, within that too of, I, I want to talk about the Ember Island players. If someone mistold your story, like, Imagine, if you will, you went to go see Shonda with an exclamation point, and it's the community theater interpretation of your life. Right. I mean, I would see that, but <laughs> I would I would direct it. But would would it be? I don't like like how how do we deal with rampant individuality? That's the question. What does it mean to not only not to to, to fold into one? Um, what if it's what if what makes you you is able to be channeled by someone else? And what if what makes you you is so horribly interpreted? And I love the Ember Island players thing because it's like a Stephen Sondheim musical because at the end, the Fire Lord just kills them all. And it's just so wonderful. And oh, I got to say, one of the things that strikes me about the Ember Island players episode is the way it causes it is horrifically inaccurate. And it causes so much angst to the people it's about because the story that's being told to them makes them question their own experiences, mm-hmm. um, which is not the point you were getting at, but it is an interesting element of the power of story and the power of, um, and the responsibility that goes with it. Oh, yeah. um, so give me that question one more time about the second question. If you, you remember, if you lose, I, I guess the question might be, how does one cope with losing self for the common good? Yeah. That Which is interestingly enough, kind of goes back to the question y'all were raising about like Jesus as superhero earlier. Uh, that was not how we were talking about it explicitly, but there's kind of that functioning underneath, you know, is like ape Jesus. Did they, did they Ember Island player Jesus? in the gospels right because i mean there's there is an erasure of his complexity i remember you know you were you were talking about um does that mean he could ride a bicycle well no because they didn't have bicycles but i take your point uh and that's just mark driscoll sucking again but uh my my youth pastor when i was growing up he, he did a christmas quiz with our youth group and one of the questions was did the baby Jesus cry not at all, the same amount as other babies? Or did he sing instead of cry? And, you know, we all put he didn't cry at all because we'd been taught Jesus is perfect. And so our youth pastor had this great opportunity to be like, Jesus cried like all the, all the babies. Uh, it's really important for us to understand Jesus was like us. Um, and we miss that. And in some ways, the Gospels, and don't get me wrong, we wouldn't have the relationship we have with Jesus without the Gospels of nuts and get rid of them. Uh, but is there an erasure of, of the growing up, of the evolution, of the ways that his relationships with those 12 men and with the dozens and dozens of women helped him become who he was, mm-hmm. right? Um, so did he get Ember Island played? Yes. Because because the gospels are written from an agenda. Yeah. Like of course. Yeah. Yes. And so I think that question about our erasure for the sake of the community um, is a choice that is sometimes made for us. I don't think it's a choice we ever have to make ourselves, right? Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I don't I don't know if it's a similar it's an adjacent question that that pops on to this, I think. So I really, in, in looking at, you know, the history of the Avatar um, and whatnot, and then it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it goes from the different, like tr- yeah, the different it elements. Around. It goes mm-hmm. around, right? Okay. Like, I, which I really appreciated because especially in this time of division in our country in which we see one leader from one party is the leader that, you know, needs to be, what does it look like when you kind of know it's all a little bit cyclical, you know, like we haven't had a 30 year span of a democratic president. So don't worry, you know, like, or, or the GOP or whatever, like it, it all kind of 
comes back around a little bit, but what does it mean to like, know that not only like, so Aang doesn't operate from an airbender's only airbender's best perspective. He's, he's not a be best person. Um, he, you know, very much is, has an eye for all of these. And, and so, uh, you know, what can we learn from the church? What can we learn as a nation right now um, from Aang's leadership and from those that just recognize Aang's leadership because they know that also, even though they may not be from the, uh, the air people, whatever their names are, uh, but like that their leader in their time will come. And so you have to give due respect to the leaders that are not of your tribe because you want them to respect your tribe with, you know, when you're leader. And so, and there's an understanding that that positionality, that position is not one of selfish selfishness. And interestingly enough, Spiff, if you ever get into this series, the books on Kyoshi are going to blow your freaking mind. Kyoshi was the avatar prior to prior to Aang. Um, okay. And two prior. Yes. Yeah. So we can skip this question if this is a question that's no, not. No, no, no. This is, no, but the books, because I, I I ship the books hard. The Kyoto okay. books are freaking amazing. And she nearly gets missed as the avatar because she doesn't fit the description, um, even though they know they're looking within the Earth Kingdom. So even within that, like seeking the person from the right place, um, they completely missed their person. And I think that's an important lesson for us to learn that hmm. um, that the avatar can be any of us. And it's funny that you... And not in the way that any of us could become president. Well, no. Uh, yeah, well, I remember when anyone can grow up to become president wasn't a threat. Um, right. So you went to the past. I'm going to go to the future in the sequel to the series, The Legend of Korra. Korra. Basically, the idea of bending and the idea of avatars is rejected in the first season. Like, like they literally just are like, we're not, we're not going to allow there to be an avatar. Uh, that's, that's the enemy. And I don't want to give too much away, but there's this anarchist who, I mean, you know, what, what does it mean to, um, <clears throat> what does it mean to storm the Capitol and to try to hang the vice president of the president you're insisting needs to be reelected? Like that's the overthrow of the system. That's the complete disregard of it. That's that's I saw more future than past. Um, we are cognizant of the time. Yes. And in our chat, we're like, we're going to go over, and we we are over, and that's okay. But I do I do want to uh, thank you, Shonda, for coming on and talking yes. with us about Avatar: The Last Airbender. By the I way, was so thrilled. Shonda Ja is the author of the Liberating Love Devotional, 365 Love Letters from God. It's available from the Chalice Press and wherever fine books are sold. Uh, you can check that out. It's great. If you need a daily devotional that's pretty good, you should get this one. I, it's better than pretty good. It's great. Yeah. And it's nice because I see a variety of my clergy friends using it. Mm -hmm. um, and they're all quality people. So therefore, the book is quality. Aww. I I couldn't agree more. Uh, I know I have it. I know I use it. Here's what. Here's my. Here is my plug for Sean's book. It's a book. It's a book I use. That is a huge plug. I just mean that. And like, I think all of us as clergy and you, you, go tell me any clergy person that isn't living under books right now. That it's so many that we have bought, so many that we haven't read. That yep. we want to support our friends. We just or or we just think it's a cool title or whatnot. Yep. Friends. I'm reading this book. I'm getting my love letter a day. I actually use it. So. And you know what? I will say this. Uh, Shonda, I have uh, Liberating Love on a rotation with Hafiz and Rumi. So. Uh, <laughs> queer nearest Easterners. There you go. I love it. That makes me so Perfect. happy. I love it. Well, Shonda, thank you so much for coming on. You are always welcome, as I hope you know and feel. But thank you. Uh, particularly today, excited to speak to someone who has a uh, working knowledge of uh, all the events of today, of the government, of Avatar, of <laughs> pop culture, of Bay Area-ness. Uh, um, and so uh, if you would, uh, you get to answer the, the, the yes. final question first. Uh, and the final question being uh, what biblical book, theme, character, uh, I don't know what is a but biblical thing are you most reminded oh, of? 
Bible. Avatar? <laughs> Are you most reminded of in Avatar The Last Airbender, the TV show? Yay. So it's it's absolutely impossible to do kind of the whole series and one story. So I'm I think you're uh, on the same tip. Um, I'm going to focus on one character. Um, and that character is Zuko. Um, and I had wanted to circle back to him earlier. And so this actually fits really well because um, in, uh, in respect to disability visibility, I want a name that a lot of my friends with autism feel really seen by the character of Zuko. Uh, there are a lot of things, if you look at his evolution, the, the, the challenges he faces in conquering certain basic bending skills, the interactions he has and the challenges he faces in uh, face-to-face interactions, the deep emotional depths that he has. And I think a lot of people read people with autism as not having emotions when in fact, a lot of my friends with autism feel much more deeply than I do, are much more uh, emotionally complex people than I am. I am very uncomplex. And so there was a version of, exactly, there was a version of the story, um, a reinterpretation of the story of the man uh, waiting by the well for healing, um, where a colleague of mine wrote a poem Uh, as if she were that man. And she says to Jesus, why did you never ask if I wanted to be healed? What if I am already whole and healed and everything that I need to be? Um, And so I find myself thinking of Zuko and so many of us don't even notice that that's a way you can read him. Um, But I love the fact that once you know that lens on him, you can watch the show and see how the people around him hold and honor who he is. Um, Potentially, you know, call it Midrash, as a person uh, with autism. Um, And wouldn't it be beautiful if we were able to do the same thing? I love that. You want me to go next just because mine's kind of a... Yours is long. Mine's kind of just a, let's see if I can fish into something. Uh, So my, uh, Suka, Suka? Suka. Okay, yeah, sorry. Uh, Soka. Yes. Soka. Soka. Yes, Soka. I'm sorry, yes. Sorry. You're good. You totally got to learn names and things. So, okay. So I, I wanted to practice them before I came on. Yeah. You know, I have them written down and even like, cause they're not phonetic and you know, uh, okay. So Saka uh, is Andrew uh, because they, they start, well, first of all, just out of pure, just like when you're watching and reading and understanding the life, you, you understand fishermen, fishermen, like, uh, you see him as a fisherman at the very beginning. That's what he's doing. But then he leans in very hard into following what Aang is doing and all of that. And Andrew does the same thing. Also, Suka. Yes. Sokka. Yep. Sokka. Jeez. Sokka. uh, Is uh, very much not the the leader with the most gifts and the most things it just his faithfulness is a part of kind of what is at work there and so from what i have seen of avatar um i was very much reminded of uh but he's still like an apostle and there's still like very much the that his gifts very much when, when we look at everyone is connected and this is not the end goal whatever the end goal is is not uh doable without the gifts of everyone showing up um that this very much led into my understanding of Andrew in that space. And you've got the St. Andrew's cross right behind you. So it all fits. I love it. I'm going to do it. We're disciples. (laughs) That's the official theme song. Not to two on one because we're still waiting on that. Travis. Hey, Travis. (laughs) It's been months, months, months. Um, Because I've been thinking about this. Katara is second Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah chapters 40 through 66. Uh, having done just a deep dive into the prophets, thanks to Philip's Theological Seminary. Uh, so it's it's uh, second Isaiah, really, it's through what, 55, 40 through 55. It's written in exile or it's written for those yeah. in exile. So Katara is this person who refuses to give up hope, but she's also grieving openly yeah. and uh, heartily. And she's the one who understands the reality of it. 
but yep. she tempers reality with hope to the point where it's frustrating. And of course they play that up as melodramatic in the Ember Island players, which I also love that they just made her, sorry, side note in it, Ember Island players, they made her the regular female lead. Did you notice that she was helpless? She was, Oh no. Yep. And like, it was so yep. infuriating after three seasons, but yes, yep. she is, uh, Katara is an exile waiting for hope. I love it. Love it. Yeah. Well, Shonda, you are the wind beneath my wings. You are the wind beneath Spiff's wings. You are just wonderful and amazing. Yes. Uh, you, of course, are the uh, you are the author of the Liberating Love Devotional, uh, 365 Love Letters from God, available from the Chalice Press. I know I've already said this, but I'm your hype man. I repeat it a lot. <laughs> Um, once again, two on one is sponsored by Jeff one row design celebrating 15 years of making ordinary time extraordinary. Uh, you can check them out. Jeff one Thank you, Shonda. You're going to have to come back because Spiff is going to eventually finish avatar and then move on to Cora. It's going to be great. And we'll talk about, Oh, we can do Cora. Cause I am really excited to talk I about it. Cora. Just a little bit. You shared about Cora behind the scenes with me. Uh, I can't wait. So, so let's do it. Jeff, who's coming Maybe. up? What's happening the next couple of weeks? Uh, we have Quadri Harris next week. Oh, yes. Very excited about Quadri coming. Uh, and then we have uh, Kristen Peters coming on. And we are, yeah, which I'm very excited about Kristen, uh, who just got a new job and was like, I want to come on, but when I can figure out my schedule. And so she figured out her schedule and we are finally talking Grey's Anatomy because friends, that is one of the most requested things uh, that we get. So uh, I'll make you a playlist, Arthur. Yeah, um, like 25 seasons. Can you just. Yes. There's 18. We're only probably going to talk about the first eight and I'll give you five episodes for all of you to watch. So <laughs> we don't actually like. At, I, I watch consistently. Don't get me wrong. Watch it every Thursday. Uh, Chris and I are in a text group about it. This is how this whole thing came about. But. Well, uh, I won't make you go past um, McDreamy's death because why? So, so to be fair, I've seen it enough. I don't think it's bad. I think I did the classic male reaction to it. Hey, who's coming up on the 14th or the 17th, 14th, 3rd? I don't know what day. Uh, well, it's like the 17th, I think, unless it's before it's or the 12th. It whatever Katie Hayes. Yeah, Katie Hayes is coming on to talk Stephen King on Ash Wednesday, which we should probably know when that is because we're Whoa. all energy. Ash Wednesday is the 17th. Okay, then that's when she's coming on. We're giving up not being scared for Lent. <laughs> well, uh, once again, Shonda Jha, you are a... Dream. You are a dream. <laughs> yeah. I had so much fun being with y'all. Well, we always have to get in with you as well, so... Uh, you can find us on podcast. Not not only you, Shonda, but you viewers and listeners can find us on every podcast platform. Please All Share our stuff. See us on Instagram. Play the game. Spiff smash. smash that like and subscribe button, y'all. Smash it. And uh, from all of us in the Ang gang, have a good one, y'all. See you next week. <laughs>